The Monday Rewind. All right, welcome along to the Rewind podcast. I'm Raf Giallo, sitting in for Oshin Langan, who is away in Rio at the moment, covering the Paralympic Games as they happen. You can follow him on at Oshin Langan, where you'll get regular updates about the action that's going on in Brazil. Um, but over here, there's Premier League action. I was speaking to Paddy Mulligan on Sunday after the 2-2 draw between Chelsea and Swansea, but we were kind of looking back at the entire Premier League weekend. That's coming up in just a second, but uh, after that, I was also speaking to Enda McNulty, former All-Ireland winner with Armagh, who's also the founder and CEO of Motivate, and he's involved in the world of sports psychology. And we kind of talked about the Mayo and Dublin final, which is coming up on Sunday, September 18th, and just, I suppose, the psychological side of both of those things. But first off, I was speaking to Paddy Mulligan, and we started off by talking about the Manchester Derby. Paddy, we've seen a Manchester Derby taking place, and... uh, Man City came out on top and were probably deserved winners. Um, like for yourself, what impressed you most about them? Well, the way the way that they played, and, and certainly in the first forty minutes, their their passing and movement was, was, was reminiscent of when Barcelona absolutely pulverised by United at Wembley about five years back in the in the Champions League final uh, when they gave a, a, a Man United a real lesson. On the first forty minutes yesterday, Man City certainly. That's the best I've seen Man City play uh, uh, this season. I know it's only four games gone. There's not a lot of talk about the Guardiola effect, but yesterday uh, it, it seemed as if the Guardiola effect for, for 40 minutes was going to work. But, you know, where then City fell down in the second half, but certainly they deserved to go and win the match. And I, I just couldn't understand uh, Mourinho's tactics at all because they never closed City down in, the, in, in that first 40 minutes. And there, were different, there was a, a, a different team in, in the second half. And that all they did was just just close people down. If they had done that in the first half, perhaps they might have found themselves in the position that they that they, that they found themselves. I mean, totally outplayed by City. Um, but but having said all that, Silva in midfield was magnificent uh, for City, and, and and City moved the ball around well. Their passing was great. The running off the ball was great. They, they, they were just so superior uh, to Man United yesterday that that it was that it was frightening. And and Mourinho watching, he, he must have he must have got a real scare yesterday because. Uh, I don't think I don't think Mourinho could have expected to, to see uh, United so inept and, and so uh, so devoid of ideas. Now, of course, he's got to accept his fair share of it as well uh, because he he didn't get them to those uh, people down. And and I mean that that's part and parcel of the game, no matter which area you play in, area that you you, you play in. You know, yeah, yeah. When we're, you have the ball, you can attack, and when you don't have the ball, you got to defend. And 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 United just didn't didn't do either. Yeah, were you surprised at how quickly City seemed to have picked up on Guardiola's kind of game plan or what he wants to do with them? Yes, but then they, but then they lost their way then in the second half as well. When they when they couldn't play the ball out from the back, when 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 Bravo, uh, the goalkeeper, couldn't knock it to a full back or knock it to a centre defender or knock it into a midfield player, they started they started panicking and didn't quite know them. But what what are we doing now? Will we will we just hoof it in the hope? And and a few times that's what, that's what they had to do. Uh, so they're, they're not by any way uh, the finished article and it's going to take them a, a, a lot more time uh, for the Guardiola effect to, to pitch in but uh, in, in, the, in the first 40 minutes especially yesterday it seemed as if it, it, as if it was kicking in but then for a long stretch in the second half uh, it wasn't and Bravo I, I thought had, had, had uh, in, in goal had a bit of a nightmare especially for the, for the Ibrahimovic goal I mean he, 
he was all he was all over the place. He never gave uh, John Stones a, a shout at all. And if he and if he did, well then Stones just uh, backed straight into him. But I, I don't I don't believe that Bravo did give give him a shout because a central defender, a good central defender, won't won't get caught like that. But uh, Stones was, but it was Bravo's fault because he 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 saw the ball coming in the air. He could he could read the situation and he and he did nothing about it. Then he came out flapping with it and and. Uh, Ibrahimovic now finished finished the, the 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 ball very very well. He had a, his waist strike on the half volley was a smashing strike. But look at the uh, Bravo uh, left Man United back into the game when they looked as if they were you know dead dead and buried. Yeah. But Mourinho Mourinho has his problems as as uh, as Man United uh, both defensively and and uh, in midfield. Slaney's lucky a lucky boy that he stayed on the pitch yet again. Every week he's using that elbow. Every single week, and I don't when referees are going to be brave enough. To come along and, and and say and give him a red card because that's what that's what he requires because he's he, he's he's a complete he's a complete waste of space as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that elbow. Yeah, the elbow definitely has been a habit. It's something I think a lot of people have picked up on, and uh, he has got his fair share of yellow cards for it as well. Um, from the city point of view, now you mentioned Bravo there. Um, did you think it was ultimately the right decision for Pep to go and get a goalkeeper like himself, who's kind of supposedly good on the ball, instead of uh, keeping Joe Hart around? Yeah, it's 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 a weird one uh, the way that that, that Guardiola made his mind up so quickly. You know, perhaps in time he'd be he'd be proven to be correct. Now, Joe Hart is not comfortable um, with the ball at his feet. Let's, let's be very very clear about that. And Guardiola wants his goalkeeper to be comfortable. And um, whatever other misgivings he might have about Bravo or about Hart, now, don't forget that Hart has been culpable as well of doing exactly what Bravo did. Uh, yesterday and coming and slapping for for a ball from a set piece or from 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 open play and, and Joe Hart has been has, has been found wanting over the past number of seasons. So I suppose that, that Guardiola said, "Well, look, uh, Bravo is a, is a better keeper for me as regards uh, being being a footballing goalkeeper, and he, he might not get exposed too much, and I can take that chance." That's that's what I think was his thinking uh, was, and that's why he let Joe Joe Hart go. Hopefully for, for for Manchester City's sake and and for Guardiola that he doesn't regret it. I don't think he will because I think that Joe Hart has gotten away with murder over the past few few years and and in the Euros this year as well. Yeah, um, I think partly part of that is I suppose the English media will back him uh, because of, of, because of his nationality. They, they, they have as well. to be changed to be back him, but that's wrong too because they should they should judge Joe Hart on on his merits. And if he, and if he's, if, he's, if he's having a, a bit of a nightmare, which he, he has had done on quite a few occasions. Well, then he has to be judged accordingly. Yeah, um, Liverpool also were seemed to be trying to play out from the back, and it went wrong once as Lucas. Yeah, with Lucas, yeah, <laughs> which is quite comical. But uh, that, was the best, that was the best through ball of the season. Yeah, um, what have you made of Liverpool so far? Because they've had okay, they were. I think they were slightly lucky in a sense when they went to Arsenal. That Arsenal were so inept as well and had a kind of defensive weakness. But they've actually looked good in spells as well, Liverpool. Yeah, and they've looked absolutely horrible in spells as well. Uh, Take take the game against Burnley. Yeah, and they never had a meaningful shot on target at all the whole day. They had eighty percent possession. You know, if you want to believe all those daft stats on occasions, and, and and did nothing with it. So I mean, that's a that's a that's an area of concern. They went to Spurs and really should have gone and and, and won the game. They were far the better team for long stretches of the game against Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, came away with a draw. Um, played okay against Arsenal at the, in the second half. In the first half, they were anonymous. Uh, and Coutinho, Coutinho went missing, apart from the free kick just before half time when he when he when he brought Liverpool back into the game at, at one each. But 
Arsenal could have been out. Could have, well, I shouldn't say they could have been out of sight, but certainly they could have been two up because Theo Walcott missed a penalty that day as well. So Liverpool have mixed the good with the bad, and it was a decent win. It was a decent win yesterday uh, against Leicester. I was expecting them to win yesterday. If 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 they've got any real ambitions of, of of being in that top four at least, so I would expect them to take care of teams at home. Um, and then, and then, so yesterday against Leicester, now Leicester are not firing on all cylinders. Uh, like like they were last year. Don't forget that Arsenal went to went to uh, Leicester last year around this time of the season and beat them five two. And yet look look what Leicester did. But it's, it's going to be tough for for for, for Leicester to go and replicate uh, what what they what they what they did last. Yeah, because year. it, it was yeah, sorry sorry about that. Yeah, it was a four one defeat for Leicester. Um, yeah, it was, that, a, it was a bit of a hide. Yeah, a bit of a hiding in terms of the scoreline. Um, the one thing I kind of did notice, Mares, who was player of the season last season, um, he seemed to disappear a little bit as well. Yeah. And he did the very same thing on St. Stephen's Day at Anfield uh, last season as well. When he when he went missing, when Liverpool beat them. And, and, and uh, he went missing. So in, in, in the big games, you have to question. Is, is, I, I've always had a question mark against him. I thought against lesser teams in the Premier League last year. I thought he did very, very well. But in the in the really big games, and when when he should be standing up, uh, I'm not so sure. That is, I'm talking about the Liverpool game last same season, say at Anfield, when when Liverpool beat them one 0 and and uh, he he was knocked off the ball very, very easy that day, and he he absolutely contributed nothing. But yeah. you know, from from a Liverpool perspective, they appear as if they're on the right road. But uh, we've seen this seen this before uh, with Liverpool. Liverpool teams and, and they, they go and shoot themselves in the uh, Firmino got two goals yesterday but he, can he do that next week or can he do that when it really matters can, or can he, can he complete something really important for, for, for the 90 minutes uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's another question mark Delana got a goal yesterday and sometimes he, 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 he couldn't even he couldn't even find the target so they did they, they, they very well yesterday and all they could do was, was, was play to the best of their ability yesterday with a new stand opening and so on and they, and they did very, very well. It was a smashing win. But Mane, to me, is the, is the real reason uh, in, in amongst that Liverpool midfield. And he, he's just gone from Southampton straight through to Liverpool. And you would think he was playing a, a player at Liverpool for the past 10 years. But he, he, he's just, he's just slotted in uh, seamlessly. And, and, and that's what players should do. When you come from a Premier League uh, team to another Premier League team, there should not be a problem in settling in. And he's after, he's after proving that. Uh, that's very, very important. But he's, He's a huge addition, so let's uh, hope that, that, that he stays fit. And Liverpool might end up, might end up having, a, having, a, having a decent season. Yeah, um, I suppose before we get to the Champions League, which is coming up this week as well, um, there is Chelsea, who have just drawn 2-2 at the time of speaking, um, uh, against Swansea, away from home, where they kind of threw it away, but then Costa kind of came back. I suppose Antonio Conte's greatest achievement so far is the fact he's actually been able to kind of revitalise Two or three of the key players, and one of them is Costa, the other is Eden Hazard. Yes, and and, and Costa got two smashing goals today, and, and, and he he was a thorn in, in, in Swansea's side the whole day long. He gave the two twenty two Swansea friends absolute nightmares. He was he was back to his brilliant best. He was he was shown for the ball. He was being creative. He he was he was getting in, in amongst the two defenders. He was letting them know that he, that he was there. And then of course he he got the two goals. Hazard, I wasn't too impressed with today. I thought he he, he he fell back a little bit from the from the standards that he had started off at at, at the start of the season. I, I don't know that it's only four games, but I wasn't too impressed with Hazard now today. But 
that I mean, Chelsea absolutely nearly blew this game because it was so much in control uh, that it, it, was, it looked like it was going to be embarrassing with Swansea. But Swansea stuck at it in the space of two or three minutes. Uh, they went from 1-0 down to 2-1 ahead. And, 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 and probably a little bit unlucky to concede that the, 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 the equaliser too, too cost of a look. It just goes to show you what, what a what a lethal shooter uh, cost it. Uh, when, when, uh, a ball out of nothing. He just, you know, he just sticks in the back of it, albeit with the help of, of, of deflection. But I still think, it was, I still think, it was going to go in on, on the far side of the keeper as opposed to the left side of the keeper. But you know, Chelsea, Chelsea, without a jail to, to a great way. Uh, Costa could have won it for them. Uh, Anti took off a, a half decent save, but straight at him, and he, if he didn't save that, was any real trouble. But no, Conte, I, I, I suppose, would be. I think he would be. If I were the Chelsea manager, I'd be disappointed uh, that Chelsea lost away. Uh, two, two very sloppy goals that the Gary Cal caught caught in possession, not knowing where he was. Uh, caught in possession by by the fair, and, and the ball ends up bobbles back into the back of the net uh, to Corpus. Now Corpus com, comes out and, and and gives and gives away a penalty when he wasn't in the situation. Normally he's quite good at reading a ball that's going to go over the top of his defenders. Didn't read, didn't read the situation at all, and 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 committed a foul. Penalty, Ferguson, back of the net. Thanks very much indeed. And and uh, and, and Swansea, Swansea are, are, are back in the game. And then they get the second goal about two minutes later. So look, they looked uh, it looked to the curtains for uh, to a great three. But in fairness to them, they, they stuck at it and they, they got back in there. They kept playing their football. And uh, I suppose to the way they, they, they got the just rewards and at least getting a, getting a point out of the game. When really they should have been, they should have been home uh, a long time earlier than that. Yeah, and I suppose finally, Champions League is starting back now, in, well, the group stages at least, and we have, from the Premier League side anyway, you have uh, Man City, you have Tottenham, Leicester, Arsenal. Two of them aren't used to the Champions League. Like, Do you see any of the English clubs really challenging this season? No, I, I can't. I can't see that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, huff and bluster about uh, the English teams. So I, I, I just can't, I can't see them uh, make, any, make any real uh, inroads uh, in, in the Champions League. I think we'll We'll be looking at the at the slide and trust there. I think the Barcelona's, the Real Madrid, and and uh, and, and the Bayerns yet again. Uh, Juventus perhaps might might end up doing something as well. But I, I think that's, that's I, I can't see an English club uh, win win uh, win the Champions League. Yeah, and Celtic Celtic have the have the unenviable task of going to Barcelona. I think this week as well. Although they have beaten them, I mean, obviously there's a few yeah, seasons be- I, since that's yeah, happened. Yeah, I think that but, Barcelona yeah. would be smart having having beaten having gotten beaten by by Alves on 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 uh, last night on, on in 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 the new camp. Yeah, and they won't be they won't be too impressed. So God help Celtic during the week. We yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all going blazing on on Wednesday night. Celtic will know that not Rangers are playing. But this is this is this is the, this team are, are the real deal. So it would be very very interesting to see how Brendan Rodgers sets up. Yeah, the one I'm kind of more interested. The two teams I'm more interested in, in a way are Leicester and Tottenham. Though Tottenham have been in the Champions League before, but it's about five years ago now. And, yeah, and, and Leicester have never experienced that. Yeah, of Le- course. yeah, that's going to be interesting yeah. how they take and to that. Be, yeah, it's, it's going to be a huge, a huge culture shock to them. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and they might not get away too much with playing the ball over the top for Vardy. You know, the European are, are are far aware and far more astute of, of, of what's going on and. So much, so much play from the European teams is always defeat. Very, very rarely over the top, but always defeat. And there's always a man, the man on the ball, always has options uh, who to play the ball to. But sometimes in England, you don't, you don't, you don't have that uh, option because of the pace of the game. 
So it'll be interesting to see how, how, how Leicester adjust uh, to, a, to a, a different way of playing. Now, I think they've got the area as well, uh, as well uh, positioned uh, to go and have them, have them uh, uh, have, uh, comfortable on the ball and, and, and not to be afraid to go and express themselves. And, and because that, that's the way that it's going to have to be in, 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 in European football, whether, whether Leicester likes that or not. But Leicester and Trainerton can knock the ball around, as they, as they showed last season. Um, and as they showed once or twice this season as well, but they can, they are comfortable well and they can, they can knock it around. So all to do is just try and keep doing, doing the same thing and, and just, it'll come down to confidence as well. Yeah. And not to be, not to be afraid of the situation. Embrace the situation and, and, and go out and, and enjoy yourself and express yourself. And if you, if you do all of that and you get the basics right, you've got a great chance and hopefully Leicester will, will do very well in the group stages. Hopefully, yeah. It would be a good story if they can kind of follow oh, up what, what happened last season. Yeah. Um, but Paddy Mulligan, uh, thanks but a million. Yeah, you're yeah. still looking for 40 points in the Premier League. Yeah, well, which is, it's not a I bad mentality. I think he's looking at more this season than he did last. Yeah, <laughs> he'll push it up to 42 or something, I'd say. Um, <laughs> Paddy Mulligan, uh, thanks a million for joining me. Not at all, Brad. All right, that was former Chelsea and Ireland fullback Paddy Mulligan discussing the weekend's Premier League action. And coming up now is Enda McNulty, who I was speaking to at the launch of the SSC Electricity Power of Green campaign. This portion is on the All-Ireland final. Mayo at this moment in time. As a county, of course, uh, I think we all know they've lost, and but not specifically this current team. Some of them were involved in previous All-Ireland finals, but, you know, there's this kind of media, well, not just media, but everyone else kind of talking about curses and stuff, and we, they all know that's not true. We all know that's not true. It's just a narrative that's out there. But for, for them, like, in terms of shutting out, like, this... I suppose a trend or an idea that uh, defeat is part of your makeup as a county. How do you kind of deal with that? Uh, I think, first of all, Raph, I don't believe in witchcraft. I don't think any of us do. <laughs> I don't believe in witchcraft. So the curse is a joke. That's what I would say. It's yeah. a joke. It's, it's a bit like Father Ted. Mm-hmm. If they want to have, a, let's say, a fun, comedy oriented skit to talk about. You know, the curse of Mayo rugby, brilliant, that's appropriate. But when you're talking about a group of fellas who have spent 10 years of their life trying to be a successful team, it's absolutely and utterly irrelevant if they decide that it's irrelevant. So, what they believe in their own minds, what they have in their own hearts and souls are much more important than any mythology. Now, how how do Mayo win this match? Well, I think they're physically strong enough. I think that they've now matured from a tactical point of view. I think they've got good leaders now on every line of the pitch. They've got the technical skills. They've got a coach who's been there and won in an All-Ireland final day at club level. They've got another coach on the sideline, Tony McIntyre, who's won multiple times in Crow Park, whether it was Cross McLean or whether it was obviously uh, you know, with Armagh. They seem to have learned from the past in terms of understanding how to close games out even when you're not playing pretty they seem to be putting their best players in the best positions so Mayo has matured as a team however they're up against a very formidable opponent Dublin without any question are one of the greatest teams of any generation even the great Dublin players of the 70s the Brian Mullins I'm sure would uh, identify that as a reality Mm -hmm. And from the other side of the equation, of, of course, the Dubs have learned from defeat. Like we can take the Donegal defeat from uh, 2014, and yeah. then they, you know, they they changed their defensive structure a little bit, and 2015 that bore fruit. Um, one thing they haven't done, and something a lot of teams haven't done, is actually defend an All Ireland title. And 
kind of maintain that level, um, I suppose, is, you know, if you go on to win an All-Ireland and kind of the second year, they often say it's harder to do. And in terms of the psychology of that as well, like in terms of when you come back, when you start refocusing again, like where do you see that kind of starting off? Yeah, I think one of the big things, and we tried to defend the All-Ireland in 2003 and became very close to it, Tyrone mm-hmm. beat us in the final. Defending the All-Ireland, I think one of the critical periods is the two months after winning the All-Ireland. I think that's the difficult period, Ralph, because in that period you have a lot of socialising, you have a lot of people dragging out of you, pulling out of you, you maybe less, you miss gym sessions, you don't do the extra skill sessions, perhaps you don't meet up in your little groups uh, to have that cup of coffee to talk about how you're going to win the next year's All-Ireland. So it's those things that happen in the two or three months post-All-Ireland final, I think, that are going to be critical for whether it's Dublin or whether it's Tipperary Hurling or whether it's, you know, Leicester City or whether it's Connacht Rugby after winning the last yeah. season. I don't think Dublin are now in any danger of worrying that they're not ready for this battle. I think I think that they're ready and they are in place where they can win this match. We know that physically they're in good shape, mentally they're in great shape. They've got the technical, tactical game and so on. I, I think there's no question. I do think that Mayo are going to have to do a little bit like what Tipperary did. They're going to have to challenge Dublin in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like what was largely touted in, in Curry ranks over the last few weeks, that you have to do something dirty or do something that you know puts them off the game. I mean almost like bringing a new attacking angle, bringing a new uh, dimension to their game that Dublin don't expect. But not bringing it in the first five minutes and then doubling the goal, yeah, just change around our, our defensive setup. Bringing a different surprise almost every 10 minutes. That's what the great teams are able to do. The average teams bring one surprise, and they've worked on that for four weeks. The best coaches and the best teams are able to bring, no, we bring four surprises in the first half, and we bring four surprises in the second half. I remember way back in the day, myself and my brother Justin uh, in RMA using the phraseology that We'll bring the surprise to our opponents. We will not be surprised. Yeah. I think Mayo will need to bring four surprise packages in the first half and four surprise packages in the second half to win this game. Yeah. I don't think one surprise package will suffice. And I don't think that the vast majority of coaches or players or leaders even sit down to think about that. And I don't mean surprise that we're going to hit hard. Anybody can hit hard. That's a basic, a basic, basic. I mean that can we vary the trajectory of the ball? Can we vary the angle that we kick the ball in from? Can we vary how fast we play and then how slow we play? Can we vary the attack of the angle of our attack? Can we vary the angle of the man coming off the shoulder? Can we vary how quick it takes us to get the ball from a goalkeeper over the bar in the net? Mm-hmm. Can we score three goals on the trot? How can we obliterate them defensively? Like the way the Seattle Seahawks changed the game because of how formidable they were defensively. Yeah. And I suppose an example might be the semi-final, actually. I was watching that. Like, it was a fantastic game. Kerry brought a few surprises. I just think they ran out of steam a little bit towards the end. And actually, maybe from the other point of view, something about the dub psyche kind of came out as well because they just kept going. They kept doing the right things and they came out, I think it was two points to the good. I think Kerry, if they are to really, really review the game vigorously, not technically or tactically, but mentally... Mm-hmm. I think they look at that last 10 minutes and say we weren't composed enough. And if you look at Curry 
in the last three games against Dublin, in all three games on Ireland finals and semi-finals, they have been in a position to beat Dublin within the last 10 minutes. Yeah. So we can't say it's a physical thing. They were physically fit enough, obviously. We can't say they hadn't got the technical skills because they showed us in the Dublin game, the last one, they had all the skills. But we can't say they were doing stuff that indicates that they weren't mentally calm and composed enough. An yeah. example of that would be, uh, I think it was Donaghy lunging, diving literally to grab uh, Connolly round yeah, the waist that, yeah. by that iconic photograph. Yeah. And Connolly is the opposite of uh, frantic. He's nice and calm and composed. And Donaghy is literally jumping, diving with desperation to stop him. Yeah. I, I think, and the more the leaders do that, by the way, that more that has a mental rot throughout the team. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that Curry, if they're really honest, and again, I'm only, this is only my approach or my insight into this, would say that, you know, the first All-Ireland that Dublin won, when was that, 2011? Yeah. Curry were four points up with mm-hmm. ten minutes to go. So why, how did they mentally capitulate? Why and how? Yeah. Similarly, in last year's All-Ireland final, Curry were in a position where they could have won the game. You might have said they weren't coming from behind. I know they weren't. Oh, sorry, they weren't in the lead, but they still were there or thereabouts with 10, 15 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. In the semi-final, it was a draw game at, what, 71 minutes on the clock? Yeah. So I, I thought that Dublin were more mentally comfortable in the white heat of battle. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for this week's Rewind podcast. You can find everything on Newstalk.com. It's also on iTunes. Thanks for listening in.